All right, turn your Bibles tonight to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And uh, we are going to turn to several places tonight. Uh, so I want you to be ready with your Bibles. We're going to uh, read our text from 2 Corinthians, and then we'll be in the book of 1 Corinthians pretty quickly. Uh, then we'll look at four uh, other places in our Bible tonight. And so keep your Bible handy. And uh, we'll look forward to what God has for us. It's good to hear the report from New Mexico. We're certainly thankful for its faithfulness out there. And I noticed that when he announced uh, how much those chairs cost, some of you gasped. Well, Sunday night, I'm going to be talking to you about the purchasing of our new chairs. Um, so um, don't want you to be shocked by that. Uh, but no, it's good to see how God provides. God always provides. God always provides. I'm going to... Go ahead and tell you what I'm teaching on tonight, and then I'm going to go ahead and have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll jump right into uh, the text and the Bible study, and uh, I want to be able to get into it and move uh, at a good pace tonight, because uh, I do have a lot to get to, and so tonight I want to teach on the trait necessary to be used by God, the trait necessary to be used by God. Uh, oftentimes, Christians, preachers will, will throw out a statement Anybody can be used by God. It's true if this one trait is evident, if this one trait is found in the individual. Now, of course, I'm talking about somebody who's a child of God. I'm talking about somebody who's a Christian. You can be used by God. If, if this one trait is evident, and we'll talk about this trait tonight, and you can see whether or not you have the special trait that God needs uh, to use you. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in church tonight. What a joy it is. Uh, what a privilege it is to uh, see our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, uh, certainly in the room tonight, uh, we sit in a room that is an answer to prayer. But in the room, there's so many different answers to prayer. And Father, we certainly give you honor and praise for that. And Father, during this time of Bible study, may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher, our instructor. Uh, may He speak to hearts. May He encourage us. Uh, may we uh, have a stronger desire uh, to do more for you and to serve you with our life. Uh, bless our time this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And we're going to read two verses of Scripture to begin with, verses 9 and 10. And the Bible says, And He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now, of course, this is the Apostle Paul asking for God to remove the thorn in his flesh. He had a hindrance. He had a limitation. Uh, he petitioned God. In verse 9, uh, he is telling us what God's response is. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, aren't you glad God's grace is sufficient? Uh, I, I love preaching from this passage of Scripture. And I've preached many times about the, the fact the grace of God, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. And sometimes we comfort one another with those words. Well, God's grace will be sufficient. Okay, but that word sufficient means it's enough. Well, how much is it? It's enough. I thank God that his grace was sufficient when it comes to my salvation. How about you? Uh, aren't you glad his grace was sufficient? As a child of God, as we live our life, his grace is sufficient. Don't quit. His grace is enough. That's extra. That's not my Bible study tonight. For my strength is made perfect in, are you ready for it? 
Are you ready for the trait that is necessary for you to be used by God? Are you ready for that which must be evident in the life of a believer for God to use you? Are you ready for it? There it is. You ought to circle in your Bible. It's the word weakness. In this room tonight is a variety of people from different backgrounds. There are some in this room that are too young to do any to be used of God. There are some in this room that are too old to be used by God. There are some in this room that are too sick. You've got disease. Some have fallen, and they have things in their past that they wish were not there. Some lived in a life of sin that they wish they had never lived in. And you, it, those of you that are in here tonight, that, that this applies to, you're thankful you're saved. You're, you're grateful that you're saved. And, you let, and the devil visits all of us and says, you don't have what it takes to be used by God. You've got to grow up in a certain kind of home. You've got to never have experienced this and that. And let me just throw this out. And so um, I cover all the bases tonight. Uh, you ought to keep yourself away from sin. You ought to stay away from the far country. But let's just be honest. In the room tonight, there are people from all different kinds of past, different backgrounds. Some lived a life that when, when God found you, you hope nobody ever finds out the life that you lived. Some, even as a child of God, you lived a life that you have regrets of. There are some, let's just be honest, I'll not look around, nobody point any fingers, you just don't have any talents. There's some in here who are poor. There could be somebody here tonight who literally doesn't know where they're going to get their meal tomorrow. There's some in here, you sit here and you've got a failed marriage in your past there's some you've been deserted. We can go on and on and on tonight. And then we come and we're saved and we thank God that we're saved by the grace of God. We're thankful that God gives us a church to belong to. A church to be part of. And as I taught not too long ago in Romans chapter 12, God gives us all an ability and a responsibility to fill a role in His church. The church needs a pastor, but the church needs you, and that is the way God has designed it. And you have a pastor, let's just call it what it is, he's an optimist. He believes that if it happened once on the pages of this Bible, it can happen again. He can look at a scraggly piece of paper, a piece of property, and I'll not even say all of the names that have been given to this building we sit in tonight. But he looks at it like it's the Taj Mahal. He gets up on Sunday and he says things like, "You can be used by God. We need everybody in here to be used by God." We have a city that needs to be reached with the gospel. We have a nation that we have an opportunity to influence. We have a world that we can reach around and send labors with the gospel. But if we're going to do everything that is available to us to do, we all need to understand 
We can be used by God. I believe this is the obstacle that so many Christians face nowadays. Well, God will use the pastor. God will use this person and God will use that person. But I didn't grow up in that kind of a home. But I'm glad God will use them. God wants to use you. Tonight, I'm going to identify the trait that you must have in your life for God to empower you. To God to give you power to serve Him. Power to overcome. Let's get back to our text. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let's put the verse in context tonight. He says, I glory in my infirmities, my weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness, not strength. Strength is not the trait you need to serve God. Pastor, when I get it all together, then I'll serve God. That's not scriptural. We need weakness. Paul in verse 10. First of all, he says he glories in his infirmities. You know, sometimes, many times, all of us are prone this way. When something good happens, we walk a little taller. We, we want to engage in conversation then. Hoping, they'll ask, how are you doing today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you what's going on. Paul said he in glory in his, Paul, what's going on? Let me tell you. I got infirmities. You want to hear about them? No, Paul, I don't think I want to hear about those infirmities. But he continues in verse number 10. Please don't miss this tonight. Therefore, because of what he just said, I take pleasure because his strength is perfect in weakness. There's the trait. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Don't we say as preachers, we want the power of Christ? Don't we say as Sunday school teachers, we want the power of Christ? Don't we say when we sing in the choir and we come up and we sing in in a special group, we want the power of Christ to be evident? Mom and Dad, I hope you want the power of Christ when it comes to rearing your children. We go soul winning. Don't we want the power of Christ? Well, the scripture says there's a trait that if it's evident, you can have his power. It's weakness. Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. Hold on. He takes pleasure in his infirmities. He takes pleasure in his, what's the scripture say? Reproaches. You do realize Paul had reproaches. Sometimes I want to say to preachers, you do realize you're not the first preacher somebody's talked about. You're not the first one. That got, gets alienated from, no, oh no, he had reproaches. And he says, I take pleasure in my infirmities. Don't raise your hand tonight, but if you have a sickness and you have a disease, when's the last time you took pleasure in it? Say, Pastor, that don't make sense. I don't say you, I didn't say you had to like it. I didn't say you had to agree with it. 
but take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities. Don't raise your hand, but do you have needs tonight? Do you have things that you need help with, things you're doing with that, that you need in your life? He says, I take pleasure in my necessities. That's not complaining about them. In persecutions. I do believe Christians get persecuted still in the day we live, but not, not, not to the same degree Paul got persecuted. In distresses. What kind of distresses? For Christ's sake. Still got your Bible open? Or have you completely turned me off? For when I am weak, then am I strong. Don't you want to be a strong soldier for Jesus Christ? Don't you want to be mighty in the work of God? Don't you want when your days are through, your days are behind you, and the Lord calls you home to leave some kind of a testimony, some kind of a life that you served God, that you did something for God? Don't you just want to know? Nobody else has to know, but don't you just want to know and let the Holy Spirit comfort you know that you serve God? You did something for Him. You, he used you to do something to His honor and glory. There's a trait. It doesn't matter what's in your background. It doesn't matter what situation you come from, the mistakes you've made in the past. The Bible says, weaknesses present. Then the power of Christ. Paul didn't glory in talent. Isn't that what we do? He didn't glory in health. He didn't glory in wealth. He didn't glory in ability. Power is not in your strength, but in your weakness. Christian, listen to me tonight. Quit using your weakness as an excuse of why you can't serve God. When your pastor tells you everybody can serve God, if this trait is evident, it is true. But there's a lot of you, I'm just going to be very blunt tonight, there's a lot of you that you could be doing some things for God, but you have let the devil convince you that you're disqualified because you have a weakness. Because you don't have the strength necessary. You don't have the talent that somebody else has. You, you don't have the background. You don't have the thing. They don't have, you have things in your past that nobody knows about. You mean you have weakness as Paul had weakness? And Paul reveals to us through the scripture tonight that that is how he got, that's how he got his power. That's why he was used of God. Turn over with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Get there quickly. I'm going to jump into this because I have much to get to tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Verse 23 is where we'll begin reading. I'm going to start. You catch up. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. It would be good for us to remember that, wouldn't it? And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Probably good for us to remember that too. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Let's just be honest. A church like, a church like this uses an illustration. I want to be honest about it. 
We have been blessed through the years to see so many young people surrender their lives. I'm, I, I'm called to missions. I'm going I'm to pray for missions. I, I feel God's called me to preach. And we rejoice in that, don't we? But put your piety down for a minute. Sometimes it's like, oh, bless his heart. Oh, bless her heart. At least she has the desire to serve the Lord. But God help them if they ever try and do what it is that they think, are you sure? Are you sure God called you? For ye see your calling, brethren. Verse 26, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now I'll interject this here because I, I don't want to forget it. We're going to read in the next few verses who God uses. An observation that I think bears out in Scripture, but also that I've observed in life. When God does call the mighty, when God does call the noble, He's got to allow things to come into their life to put them in the categories of what we're going to see in verse number 27 and verse 28. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. What was that trait that we have to have? Weakness? But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Don't we say, I just want to glorify God. And we say that, I'm just going to assume with a sincere heart, but we have it flipped. I have to have my talent to glorify God. Let me say this. If you have talent, you got to glorify God with it. But that is not a prerequisite to have the power of God. That is not a prerequisite to be used of God. That no flesh should glory in His presence. You know what I love about the Emmanuel Baptist Church? It's past. No. And what I love about the Emmanuel Baptist Church, there's a lot of things, but what I hear over and over again, not just here in the community, but in other places in this country, God's got to be doing that. God's got to be in that. God's got to be making that happen. Because that's the only way that could happen. Praise God. He gets the glory. Let's look in the text tonight. And I've got a few minutes to get to this. But I want to help us tonight when it comes to that thought of weakness. That was all introduction. That's pretty good, huh? Let's look, at the, let's look at some things that God uses. If he wants our weakness, let's look. Let's be reminded in verse 27. He first of all uses foolish things. What is a foolish thing? It's a simple thing. It's folly. When I think of foolish things, I think of Acts 4.13 when they saw Peter and John. Scripture says they perceived they were ignorant and unlearned. So next time, because you're an independent Baptist, they think you're ignorant and unlearned. You're in pretty good company. Now, sometimes it's true, but they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned. They, they couldn't understand how un, an uneducated fisherman could preach with more power than those that were brought up in the scriptures 
in, in, in the realm of the Pharisees. They couldn't understand it. Was not Peter brash? Was he not? Every, there were probably some kind of instruction and some kind of preacher's fellowship back then. Don't do it like Peter does it. Don't say what Peter says. Don't do what Peter does. Matter of fact, I'm not going to that preacher's association because he was preaching there. We've got more scriptural integrity than to do what the... Un but yet when Peter preached, what was God doing? God was using somebody with weakness so that he could get the glory, not flesh. He was using a foolish thing. God chooses those. Don't miss this, Christian. God chooses those who would be fools to the world to use. From the world's perspective, are you hearing me tonight? Only a fool would give their weekends for church and not pleasure. It's a fool. Only a fool would give 10% of their income to the church. Only a fool would do that. Now, I'm not telling you that. That's what the world tells you. I say only a fool would only give 10% to catch that of their income to the church. Only a fool would do that. Only a fool would deny himself pleasure and funds so that others can have blessings. Only, only, only a fool would do that. Only a fool would separate from friends and families for the church, for, dare I say it, a cult. Only a fool would do that. But yet, isn't it amazing when in the vast majority, high percentage, well, probably pretty close to 100% of the time, our children graduate from high school. They scratch their heads because they can compare product. How's that happen? Is it because the parents that belong to the Emmanuel Baptist Church are wiser and smarter? Perhaps. But I would dare say it's because God was involved in it. So God uses foolish things. Christians, we've got to not be concerned with how the world portrays our service for the Lord. It can't, it can't make sense. And that's why sometimes we have preachers who water down their message. We have Christians who backtrack on, on, on the stand they have because they have some lost person say, well, this Bible just doesn't make sense. It can't make sense to you. You need the Spirit of God to discern it. Well, you're, it's just foolish that you would just put faith in that. That's what God uses. That's what God uses. I, I'm not going to be in intimidated because some quote-unquote professor in some seminary with a bunch of letters behind their name would look at a message that I'll preach. He's preaching a topical message. His people must be shallow and ignorant and unlearned. Yeah, well, come, come take a look at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm not going to be intimidated by that, God, because I still believe the power of God supersedes education. The power of God supersedes everything, and I'd much rather have the presence of the Spirit of God preached to a lot of, if I can say it tonight, 
ignorant and unlearned people who just have a yearning for God to do something in their life and they need God and they want God and I believe one verse of scripture with the power of God on it can, can, can move inside of a church building and can change lives. God uses foolish things. Number two, we also see in the same verse, verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Foolishness would be, simple, would be a weakness, would it not? And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Hold, hold your spot if you can turn quickly. If not, I'll, just, I'll read it for you. But I'm going to read in Judges chapter 7 and verse 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. You remember the story of Gideon, right? I preached 13 messages on the life of Gideon. We all could probably just stand and quote this scripture because we spent so much time on Gideon. But, but we're reminded, Gideon is 300. The Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand that saved me. What is God saying to Gideon? You're too strong. You're too strong for me to use you. Because secondly, we see God uses weak things. Pastor, I just feel so weak. I don't have the strength I once had. So he uses weak things. Talking about sickly, feeble, strengthless, without strength. See, we have Gideon and his army versus 32,000 Midianites. And God says, you got too many. You're too strong. Now, a military strategist would have said, what, what? You're too strong. Well, well, well Gideon, what do you mean? We don't have enough. We already don't have enough. We're too strong. So they get it. We have about 10,000 men now versus 32,000. God says, too strong. But God, we, we, we need to rally together. We need everybody and everybody so that we can defeat the enemy. God says, you're too strong. We know the story. He gets down to 300. God says, just right. That's the number. 32,300. We know how the story ends. What seemed to be weakness, God used. Because he uses weak things. Just for a moment, let's think of all of the excuses that we've used in our own life in the past seven days, the past month, the past year, about areas of our life that were weak. I just can't do what I used to be able to do. I just can't, I, I, it's just not me. That's just not something, and God says, take, take the 10,000 down to 300 because I'll use weak things. And we have to have weakness for the power of God. What was more important, matching them 32,000 to 32,000 or simply blowing a trumpet, breaking a picture and shouting the sword of the Lord out of Gideon? And yet the power of God. I would dare say victory came with the power of God, was with weakness that would not have come with Israel's strength. Weakness. So you have a fault. Hey, everybody's got a mother-in-law. Don't worry about it. Hey, you have a fault. So does everybody. 
hear me tonight, God wants your strength. Everybody in here, you've got some sort of strength. God wants that. But God wants your weakness. He wants your weakness. So many times, well, God gives you, if God gives you, I'll use an illustration, if God gives you a talent and ability in the area of, of, of singing, you ought to use that. Let me just jump out of the outline for a minute and be pastor. It aggravates me, it aggravates me, it aggravates me. See somebody who has a talent, a musical talent, and they can sing, and they won't use it for the glory of God. Because there's some of us, some of us, not me, but some of us, would love to have a talent and ability to sing. Now, this week things, that doesn't apply to singing here, but you get, you get the point that, that I'm making. Talent, surrender your talent. A lot of times it's like, God said, that's easy. That's easy. I said, God gave me this talent. What about that weakness you don't want to talk about? What about that insecurity that you don't want to talk about? God uses weak things. We continue in verse 28. In base things of the world. What's a base thing? God uses base things, number three. It's ordinary. It's common. With no special characteristics or standing. He uses the ordinary things. Well, pastor, I'm just, I'm nothing special. And we say that with a false sense of humility. And that, I'm just... I'm nothing special. I don't have anything to offer. Oh, pastor, if I drop out of church, nobody will miss me. Oh, I just, nothing. Hey, we need nursery workers. We need fire members. We need Sunday school teachers. We need bus workers and all these things. Well, I just don't, I just don't have anything special. Well, I've got good news for you. You're exactly who God wants to use. Did, did you read, and I, I made a passing comment, I'll make it again and get into this. Verse 26, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. A lot of times, those with talents, those with ability, get in their own way. And God has to humble them, God has to put things in their life so that they fit in a foolish category, a weak category, a base category, the despised. God has to do that. So if you're, if you're base, if you're ordinary, if you have nothing to offer, you have that weakness, you're qualified for God to use you. Now let me make a point, and I missed it while I go, but I have to make this. Notice, look at verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Are you there? Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things. This is God's choice. This isn't a pastor's choice. This isn't a committee's choice. God has chosen. This is who he wants to use. This is the people he's going to use. These are ones that he's going to use. God has decided. When God makes a choice, it doesn't matter if you don't like it. It doesn't matter if you disagree with it. God has decided. This is who he's going to use. I get so weary. I get so weary of preachers deciding which preachers and which can be used and which preachers cannot be used. I get so weary of Christians deciding who in the church house can be used in this capacity or that capacity. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got scripture for you. God said I choose. 
He chooses the foolish. He chooses the weak. He chooses the common and the ordinary. Matthew chapter 1. If you can find Matthew 1 quickly. We find the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Verse 1 of chapter 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. We get a glimpse of the lineage, the genealogy of the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Many recognizable names there. There's four women mentioned. In verse 3, we find the name Tamar. If you go back to the Old Testament and you look up Tamar, she played the harlot. In verse number 5, you find the name Rahab. It's spelled Rahab in, in verse 5. Rahab. She was a harlot. In verse number 5, you find Ruth, who was a Gentile. You also, in verse number 6, you find the wife of Uriah. We know that to be Bathsheba. She was an adulteress. But yet, you find them used by God to be in the lineage of a perfect, spotless, without blemish Savior. But yet, sadly, in a lot of Baptist churches, they wouldn't be allowed to serve. And sadly, in some cases, some could be saved out of this, some God could restore out of this, and you will let the devil keep you from serving God with your life, laying up treasures on the other side, a crown that you can lay at your Savior's feet one day because of something that is in your past. I've got great news for you. This can be a life-changing Bible study for you tonight. If you listen to me, God chooses to use the ordinary. God uses chooses to use the common. God uses the base things, the unimpressive things, for His glory. God chooses. Number, number four. We've got to hasten. We find in our text, verse 28 again, and base things of the world and things which are despised. That word despised means contemptible, looked upon with content. I'll read 1 Samuel 17, verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy of a fair countenance. We know the story of David and Goliath. We know how David was just a shepherd boy. Just a lad. Dad sent him down to take some supplies to his brothers. And oh, there was that Goliath. He was that giant. He was cursing God. He was cursing the people of God. And all those mighty warriors, they didn't want to go out there and challenge him. King Saul wasn't going to go out there and challenge him. Here is, you think of this picture, Goliath. I don't have time to, tell you, to read the scripture, but as the Bible describes him, we know that giant, that great warrior with all of his, his warfare, all of his weapons. Uh, he was, I bet everything was, was in such a way, it was shining in such a way to even be more intimidating. And the challenge... For anybody, send your king out here. 
Send, send, send your mightiest warrior. David says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And everybody's like, well, I'm just minding my own business. He didn't call me by name. It's not my business. But is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I'll do it. Oh, and all the people are like, we got a sucker. Take David to Saul, and Saul says, put on my armor. And you know the story. He puts on the armor, and he says, I have not proved them. It's not, my, it's not for me. It's, it, it doesn't fit me. I'm going to stick with what, I've, what I know. And what does he do? He goes to the brook, and he gets five stones. And here's mighty Goliath, the unbeatable warrior. Challenges, and they don't send a king. They don't send a, a, a mighty warrior. They send a boy in shepherd's clothes, not charging him with a spear, a sword, but a sling. Could you imagine how insulted Goliath was? Scripture says as soon as he saw David running down, ah, that, his voice was probably changing. So it was, it was like 17 octaves higher than there. Ah, charging him. Here's this mighty warrior. It says he despised, he disdained him. For he's but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. We know the end of that story, don't we? If you don't, Goliath dies. God used that which we make so many mistakes as Christians. We think this world has the love us for us to reach them. We think this world has the love us for us to make a difference. We think we have to be popular. We think, oh, we think, let me just throw this out to you and you apply it however you want to apply it. Uh, Jesus made himself of no reputation because he came with a purpose. He uses the despised things. Number five, and I'm, I'm out of time. We look in the scripture. Things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. What does that mean, number five, things that are not? It's describing a negative. Things that are worthless. Things which mean nothing. Are nothing. I'm reminded in... I'll not have you turn there, but in Exodus chapter number 4, verse number 2, one of the greatest pictures, I, I love thinking about this. The Lord speaking to Moses says, and the Lord said to him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. If you know the Bible, you know the power that was in the rod of God. It's just a rod. Just a staff. It wasn't exclusive to Moses. Moses wasn't the only one that had access to a rod. But we know the excuses that Moses had, the insecurities. You remember those insecurities? Are you with me? Everybody with me? I can't talk, God. My heart wants to be that man. My heart wants to do it. But I've got too many weaknesses to do it. God reminds me, he says, what is that in thy, in thy hand? And we know the story, that, that, that rod could turn into a serpent. That, ro that rod that turned into a serpent could eat other serpents. 
that rod would be held out in certain situations and those plagues would be administered. That's the same rod that would be held over the Red Sea. God would literally push back the waters of the Red Sea. What was God showing Moses? I don't have to make you talk better, Moses. I don't need you to be eloquent. Matter of fact, I made you exactly how I need you. It was not cruel of me, Moses, to give you a speech impediment. It was not cruel of me, Moses, to give you that insecurity. Matter of fact, it was my grace that I bestowed on you when I created you. Because in your weakness, you're going to find my strength will enable you to do things that you couldn't do. You're going to see things, Moses, that you could not see if you could talk like you think you need to talk. And Christian, may I challenge you tonight? We, we look at our God and we know he loves us. We're grateful that he sent his son to save us. We're so unworthy of our salvation. We're so unworthy of our standing with God. And I believe we have hearts that want. There's a rebel here and there that you know. Maybe there's one here tonight. You know what God wants you to do. You know what God's called you to do. You know you ought to, some of you, you know you ought to be in the music ministry. Some of you know you ought to be serving in the nursery, usher. Some of you know you ought to be preparing for the ministry. You know, I don't have to tell you who you are. You know, because right now, the Holy Spirit's saying, oh, yeah, buddy, he's talking about you. Ma'am, oh, hey, hey, wake up, this is you. I don't, there's a rebel every once in a while. But I believe the big hinders, I, at least in our church, I don't know other churches. But if it's true here, it's probably true in other places. Our weakness, God, my heart, I want to, but I can't talk. I can't go. I, I can't, I, I, I don't have the strength. Look at God and we say, God, I'd do it if you'd only allow me to grow up in this home. If you'd only given me this talent. If you had not allowed this circumstance to come into my life, and if I could just for a moment, in, in relation to Moses and things that are not, God doesn't need you to talk eloquently. God doesn't need you to be 100% healthy. Matter of fact, I think God would say to all of us, I made you like that so that I could use you in ways you otherwise could not be used. I... I put you in that situation. I allowed, but God, why did you allow these circumstances to come into my life? Brother Sally and I spent some time together this morning. That's why I knew I had to do a lot of preaching tonight. We talked about a lot of things this morning. Somehow we got on the subject, and I used the illustration of our daughter Amanda, and how after sickness, God chose to take her home. And I could point back, and I would say, that's when God gave me the heart of a pastor. I didn't always come to that conclusion. 
Now, we often, we sit around a table of six, and there's always an empty chair. But I remember telling, I remember praying, because we were, we were talking about some things, and I said, I remember praying, God, there's a lot of kids that are going to be abused in the homes they grow up into. If you're going to take a kid, take one of those. Now, don't judge me for praying that. But God, if you'd intervene, there's, I'll, I'll, I'll love her. I'll rear her to, to serve you. But in relation to our Bible study tonight, if I could say it like this, God would say, I got it. I'm going to allow certain things to come into your life so you can do beyond what you could do otherwise. Some of you, this is, let me just say, this is mature Christian stuff. I know it's topical, but it's, it, there's some depth to it. If you would start glorying instead of complaining about your circumstance, your help, your health, look at the opportunity. And in days ahead, your pastor is going to come in front of you and say, we need this and we need this and we need more of this. And we need some of you to get involved and do these things. And in the immediate response in some cases, I can't do that. Oh, they did. Okay, they, they should do it. They got the talent and the ability to do it. God wants to use your common abilities. He wants to use your base opportunities. And in some cases, He don't even want to use you. He just want to use, use that what is not. He can take an inanimate object and use it to His honor and glory. All you've got to be willing to say is, God... I'm qualified. Let me see your resume to be used by God. I'm going to help some of you. Some of you got to go home and you got to type you out a resume and submit it to God. Put your name at the top under qualifications. Type one word. Weakness. Sign your name at the bottom. Give it to God and watch what God can do with you. Anybody can serve God if this one trait is evident. It's weakness.